Hello, and it's time for a new edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. We're talking about the MLB lockout and the progress being made to end that. We'll give our opinions on the Hall of Fame vote, what we each think is right and what is wrong. Talk about the Phillies broadcaster Kevin Franzen moving on. All this and more on this edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. Hello and welcome to this edition of Phillies Talk Podcast for January 30th, 2022. I'm Rich Baxter and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host here on the show, Mr. Matt Veazey. How are you, Matt? Hey, Rich. How are you? Doing pretty good here and uh, at our usual bug setting up the show. And what what is a podcast without bugs? You're the podcast expert, Rich. I'm just here to <laughs> give my opinions. <laughs> I hear you. Well, somebody that gave his opinion uh, not too long ago is a guy named Adam Shifter. And uh, I want to know one thing. Is Tom Brady retired or not? Uh, you know, that seems to be a question out there. You know, I wouldn't surprise me, Rich. You know what I'm saying? Uh he, he, what does he have to do? You know, he's the best of all time. It really, it's, uh, you know, I think he, one thing I always thought about Brady uh, in recent years is he's been very fortunate to, you see how quarterbacks, you know, get hit these days. And he's been very fortunate to stay as healthy as he has for as long as he has. Uh, that's a big, big piece of his longevity. Of course, he's a great player, uh, the, great, the greatest there is, but uh Uh, He's been fortunate to stay healthy. And I think I would rather if I'm him uh, get out, you know, while the get while the getting's good, you know, I mean, you're already a legend, you know, he's probably already got a ton of money. He's still got plenty of endorsement money. So, uh, you know, go spend some time with uh, Giselle and the kids and uh, you travel in and uh, maybe do a little uh, commentary, you know, action to keep yourself in the game. if I'm him, I'm getting out, but you know, he, I'm sure to, he's still great. He's on top. So the, the competitive juices are probably still, still flowing for him. And that's, that's going to be his question, but I don't think there's an answer to it right now. His father and the Buccaneers say that, you know, they haven't heard anything like that. Uh, meanwhile, there's some really good sources at ESPN that say he's going out and uh, that I would trust. So uh, there's probably, he's probably leaked it out there to some people that he's, this is going to be it for him. And he just wants to make the formal announcement on his own terms and at his own time. Yeah. I remember um, a friend of mine announcing to me that, Oh, you just got the, notification from ESPN he set up for that and that Tom Brady retired and I was like oh man that's wild you know and then I go home and on the radio I'm listening well maybe he didn't retire is what I was hearing on the radio and uh according to him and everybody in his camp he hasn't announced it yet he hasn't made the decision so uh it's kind of funny even uh I was doing some research for this portion of the podcast and Last night, apparently, on ESPN College Basketball, uh, Adam Schefter was interviewed, and it, it sort of gave him the out to say, hey, you know, maybe my sources were wrong, but he says, no, I'm sticking with this, sticking with our story that we, uh, you know, sent out there. So it was kind of silly because the guy set him up for it, like, Tom Brady says he's not retiring. His dad says he's not retiring. The Buccaneers says he's not retiring. <laughs> You know, so it was, it was pretty funny, and it's all over Twitter. There's a lot of parodies going on with uh, Adam Shifter on his, you know, uh, supposed informants 
that's uh let him know that tom brady's retiring before he knows even time will tell rich you know this is uh like i said football season's over uh, except for you know three more games uh it's over for brady's purposes so uh i'm sure we'll hear relatively soon yeah, and uh, getting over to our major reason for the podcast here is, of course, Phillies talk and baseball. And we were talking before the show about a possible settlement uh, with the MLB Players Association and MLB. Um, it's just speculation on our part, but what do you think about that? Are we going to see uh, spring training start on time at least? You know, I'm not sure of that, Rich. I, I still believe that there's a really good chance that we start on time with nothing at all delayed. Uh, we still have a full like uh, two, three weeks before, uh, I think it's just over two weeks from now, it's right after Valentine's Day that or right around Valentine's Day to pitchers and catchers would normally report. And that even that week isn't a drop dead date. You know, who cares if, if the, usually the players, um, their report date is a little bit after the pitchers and a lot of the players come in a little bit early anyway. So I think if everything's pushed back even a week, even two weeks uh, into towards the end of February, that's not going to hurt anything as far as the season goes, or even as far as spring training goes. So I think I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, the way that the, the pace seems to be going, uh, they've seen, it seems like they've settled on, most of the non-economic things, uh, the th three big non-economic issues being that the designated hitter is going to go universal this year. Uh, top free agents are no longer going to be tied to draft pick compensation, and you're going to see an expansion of the playoff field. It's just a question of how large that playoff field will go, whether it goes to 12 teams or to 14 teams, but the 10-team playoff format is dead. So those three non-economic issues, uh, the DH uh, free agency draft pick compensation uh, for the top-level free agents and expansion of the playoff field those things are done deals uh, they've already agreed on those the big things now are economic uh, it's going to have to do with free agency it's going to have to do with uh, arbitration you know that type of deal so uh you know it's they seem to be both sides from their initial proposals have made uh, concessions already so to me that shows uh, they're they're willing to make concessions now we're we're, we're it's an it's to this point it seems to be a normal labor uh, management negotiation process there haven't been a lot of holdups uh they're they're talking behind the scenes when there aren't formal negotiations going on. So uh, I would expect that next week we'll see, you know, maybe some other uh, session of formal negotiations take place at some point. And uh, I, at this point, Rich, I'm still very optimistic and I'd be surprised if we don't see some kind of announced uh, framework to a basic agreement uh, even if some I's need to be dotted and T's need to be crossed, where both sides can say, okay, uh, we've agreed 
to enough things that we're comfortable enough that we can open camps, uh, end the lockout, and we'll put dot the I's and cross the T's as we move through. So uh, I, I think we're going to see an agreement sometime in the next couple of weeks, next two weeks. Yeah, that would be uh, great. I would love that to happen. Of course, you know, everybody's waiting out there in spring training, people that love to flock down to Florida and out to Arizona, watch their teams and probably have reservations on hold or possibly, uh, you know, plans to make. So hopefully that'll get settled. Of course, last week was a flurry of activity with the two camps getting together on Monday and Tuesday, I believe it was. And now we have uh, word that the Players Association has uh, thrown the ball back to the owners at MLB and Rob Manford. And, uh, you know, we're waiting for a response on that. So, uh, as you said, hopefully within the next uh, at least two weeks, maybe sooner. But I have an impromptu poll that I put up on the Fight in Philly's uh, Twitter feed here. And here's, here's how it's shaking out so far. It's a five-day poll. So I have 22 votes already in, and I threw a, a wild card in on this. Yes, no, and ask again in 14 days, which is sort of, you know, don't vote for that, but yeah, people will. And uh, it's 36% yes, 45% feel no, that, you know, March 31st is threatened as an opening day, and 19% ask again in uh, two weeks, so... Impromptu, non-scientific poll there by the fans and, you know, readers of uh, Twitter there. Pretty cool. 22 people, Rich. You know, it's not much of a sampling, uh, first. And second, fans are just uh, traditionally more skeptical uh, than especially the fans that are that participate in <clears throat> online polls and that participate in the in the uh, social media to begin with, you know, are more skeptical and, and you and I are on social media all the time. I mean, uh, the negativity, you know, on social media is beyond the pale in general. So, and Philadelphia is notoriously even more, I think, uh, uh, negative, tough, if you will, than uh, other places. So I wouldn't expect people to say, oh yes, there are, I think there will be a, a settlement no matter how much the evidence seems to be pointing towards the, the, idea that there will be a settlement so uh nice poll but i'm not really worried uh, at this point with with 22 votes in and uh, knowing the negativity that i expect extremely non-scientific but the poll is open for five you know go five and vote days. head to uh, what is it fighting phillies at fighting phillies, at, on at phillies and vote on the poll maybe we'll get a thousand votes in who knows so um also, we had some great news in the past week on the Hall of Fame vote with one player getting inscribed into the 22 class of the Hall of Fame baseball voted in by the writers. And that was none other than Big Poppy David Ortiz from the Boston Red Sox. He started out with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, Big Poppy. I think he's he's a deserving Hall of Famer. I'm not a big uh you know, I'm not big on holding up these guys for the, from the, from the petty area. Some are uh, big Pappy had uh, some, some you know, rumors about his uh, ped use, but uh, I, I have no problem with big Pappy. I think he's a deserved hall of famer. So good for, good for big Pappy. Good for the Red Sox fans. Yep. The writers uh, 
didn't see him in the same light as some other guys that were caught up in the PED scandal. There were some other scandals that he's been through, and that's been documented after the fact. <laughs> uh, it was known well before the fact as well, but apparently that was not enough to keep him out of the Hall of Fame, as we're seeing on the YouTube version of the show, a long career. And that's what's usually warranted in a Hall of Fame career, 20-year career in which he was an all-star for, let's see, if I'm on the baseball uh, reference website here, I believe 10 or 11 times he was an all-star. And that's going to lead you to the fact that you're doing something right in the game as well. 10-time all-star, um, MVP voting. Um, he was never first, but in the top 10 more than a few times, an MVP, seven silver sluggers, four monthly awards, six weekly awards, um, sort of did it all for the Red Sox. And if you're a Red Sox fan, you um, knew right away that he was a Hall of Famer. But, um, I'll not, you know, what, what, what I'll never forget about uh, Pappy is probably what – most of the Boston Red Sox fans and, and general baseball fans were around back then that 2004 was a team, the Red Sox team that uh, finally ended their uh, curse of the Bambino and won that world series. And uh, I always recalled them trailing the Yankees in that ALCS. And, you know, just thought it was just another year that the Red Sox were dead and, you know, Pappy's heroics and leading them, helping lead them back. Uh, against the Yankees and then, you know, on to win the World Series. So uh, David Ortiz, very, very deserving Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. I think his election, Rich, I think you'll find his election and the things that he said about some of the guys who didn't get in, I think that you'll see those maybe have some sway with the hall of fame committee when they vote in December on bonds and Clemens and Schilling and others, uh, from that era. Yeah. And, um, the bonds, the Schilling, the Clemens, um, except for Schilling, I'm sort of glad that their time is up now. Um, there's no more talk about, well, the writers vote them in because they can't vote them in anymore. It's their time is up. Um, I still don't think either one of them, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame for, you know, adding to their numbers artificially, lying about the use of PEDs, things like that. Um, I don't know. I just, I can't see how you could really vote for them, even though a lot of people are not now starting to waver after 10 years, of course, of hearing all this. Their response is just, you know, put them in sort of thing. And um, I, I still don't think you can do that if you're um, taking all the things into consideration, that's really Hall of Fame worthy. And I yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah. not a just you know. And I, I, I think you're wrong in that you're saying you know after ten years, there's people are saying, ah, oh, just put them in. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that there's a large number of people, including myself, who believed all along that Bonds and Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, I, I, th I think this is one of those things where uh, if you look at that, there, there are passionate people, I think, on both sides of the issue, as you you expressed yourself there, as you believe they don't belong. And I believe just as strongly that they do belong in the Hall of Fame. And uh, so, you know, 
it's almost like our politics today in America. You know, we're, we're talking past one another. You're not going to I'm never going to convince you that these and people who are in, in your camp that those people deserve the Hall of Fame and you're not going to convince me. Absolutely. So this is just one of these deals where the people who have the say, you know, they're going to make the final determination. And uh, they came close, you know, uh, certainly more than half, uh, almost they, they started approaching the level that they needed to get into the Hall of Fame. But uh, certainly, you know, when you have more than six, six and a half out of 10, you know, or supporting their Hall of Fame induction, uh, that speaks to the fact that most other writers think that they do belong in the Hall of Fame. It's just not enough of a percentage. And we'll see what happens when they get voted on by the Veterans Committee. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where they'll get in if they do get in. But um, for 10 solid years, it's given me hope that, you know, yeah, the baseball writers who I don't always agree with, a lot of them are liberal writers. They write for liberal companies. Doesn't mean that they have to be, but... You know, in a liberal world, you're going to want to put them in, in my opinion. But regardless of politics and how they feel about, you know, their politics, they didn't agree to vote them in. So I was happy for that. Well, I disagree with your premise there, too, about how liberals think. You know, I think they're very judgmental uh, people, too. So, uh, I'm, uh, you know, we'll stick off the politics because I don't think that viewers want to hear about our politics. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, they're not they didn't make it. And we'll see what happens, you know, with the Veterans Committee. But um, to get off of those guys topic, there are some people who are uh, a bunch of people who are from our Phillies. Uh, background had a history with the Phillies ball club who were up for election uh, Schilling of course being the probably the spotlight guy but I think we pretty much knew Schilling wasn't going to make it he if all things were normal and he hadn't made any statements that he made uh, in the last say eight to ten months I think there's a good chance he'd have gotten in uh, he was just short of election last year it was his momentum, the pace, uh, the discussions of his career were leading to where I think he would have gotten voted in this year. But he himself said that he wanted to be taken out of consideration, out of the writer's hands this year. And I think many writers took him at that at that request and just didn't vote for him because he said, take me off of your ballots. So uh, that's why you saw him drop down this year rather than push past the 75 percent. However, uh, we did have a couple of Phillies, <clears throat> former Phillies, who made a move. Uh, in particular, I'm talking about Scott Rowland and Billy Wagner. <clears throat> Rowland rose up to 63%, and he still has about five years left on the ballot. That's up from just 53% last year. And uh, Scott Rowland is getting – their momentum is really rolling towards what I believe is a worthy induction into the Hall of Fame, if not next year, then certainly with the class of 2024. <clears throat> Billy Wagner is up to – he only has three years left, but he's up to 51%. And next year's class in particular is a little bit weak. So I think that you're going to see Wagner uh, with an appreciation for – some of his numbers, especially by the younger analytics uh, type voters who are becoming more and more the, the makeup of the BBWAA voting block, 
I think you're going to see Wagner at least push uh, to the 60% mark, if not higher next year, uh, that'll set him up for possible induction uh, in the last two years that he's up for consideration. So Scott Rowland, uh, almost certain, you know, unless some major, you know, personal development comes out on a negative basis about him, which I can't imagine. He's a you know, he's one of those squeaky clean Midwestern, you know, type, you know, good old boys. So I think he's going to be fine. And the same with Billy Wagner, you know, Wagner's, uh, I think he's going to rise and he's going to have a really good shot too. So well, two former Phillies, uh, Wagner, very short term, Roland, who spent most of the, what, the first seven, eight years of his career here in Philadelphia, uh, getting into the Hall of Fame sometime in the next two, three years. Other guys, you know, it's longer shot. You know, Bobby Abreu, he's he's still on the ballot. He got 8.7% of the vote. But that's pretty much unchanged, Rich, from where he was last year. And, and Bobby gets a lot of positive talk from that analytics community. So I'm, I'm very surprised that he didn't rise in the ballot. It, it just may be a question of, uh, maybe they had to clear out those guys like Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, uh, some of the more controversial guys, uh, get Poppy in. Next year, there won't be such a big ballot, if you will. And maybe you'll see Bobby's percentage rise, but he's really got to rise a lot uh, in order to get actually in at some point. And Jimmy Rollins started out this year along with Ryan Howard, but Howard didn't receive the 5%. He's dropped off the ballot. J-Roll got 9.4%, and that doesn't sound like a lot. It really isn't. But Jimmy, I think, is another one who, he's, remember, he's got nine years left on this ballot. And the, the, in, in most of the history of guys like Rollins, they tend to grow. Their percentage grows the, as people get to focus more on their career. Uh, the, the vote percentage grows. Remember, Roland started out at just 10.2% in his first year, and Billy Wagner was just 10.5% in his first year. And now they're up to 63 and 51%, you know, uh, with still with three, four, five years left. So I think you're going to see J. Roll's percentage of the vote rise a great deal over the next six, seven years. And I think he's going to be in a position when we start pushing towards the end of this decade, the end of the 2020s, uh, where Jimmy Rollins is going to be a big topic of conversation for uh, right now. It's not there, but it's, it's going to be a big topic of hot topic of conversation in 2027, 20, 28, 29, whether Jimmy really, really belongs. Yeah, and I was just looking over some stats as you were talking about Roland, and I never thought of Roland as a Hall of Famer when he was with the Phillies, of course. Then I stopped following him when he went with St. Louis. And um, if you look at Jimmy Rollins, folks, that he's surrounded by similar batters in his career, a lot of these guys are all Hall of Famers. They're all, you know— Joe Morgan, Ted Simmons, Ryan Sandberg, Roberto Alomar, Barry Larkin. So there's a lot of people that are very similar to him in the Hall of Fame. Now, if you go back to Roland, though, there isn't a whole lot of people that are associated, similar batters, I'm speaking of, and players. I'll scroll down here real quick. 
And you only see Ryan Santo, or Ron Santo, rather. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, as a Hall of Famer. Other great players near him, David Wright, Luis Gonzalez, you know, were great players. But are they Hall of Fame worthy? So we'll see about Roland. And also, as you said, I think J-Roll will have a lot more consideration down the pike. And... Um, a shame about um, Ryan Howard dropped off the list this year. Didn't make that five percent cut. He was very close to that. I believe he was what four point nine something around there. Not sure. Uh, <clears throat> let me check it officially. I have it up here. While you're looking for that, Rich, just to go back 10%. to Roland for a second. Um, I don't know what you're looking at as far as other players, but you have to judge a guy by his position. Scott Rowland's a third baseman his whole entire career. Uh-huh. Scott Rowland, all time, Scott Rowland is the 10th best all-time third baseman in all in baseball history in war. The other nine guys who are ahead of him, every one of them is a Hall of Famer, except for Adrian Beltre, who is going to be a Hall of Famer in the next couple of years uh, once he's allowed. El- Beltre isn't eligible right now. So Scott Rowland is 10th all-time war at 70.1. The other nine are all Hall of Famers. Uh, there are guys behind him who are Hall of Famers. I don't think there's any question that Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. If you look at the Jaws rankings, which is uh, basically the Hall of Fame worthiness rankings of a person, Roland is once again among third basemen all time. He's 10th. And the same nine guys are the guys that are ahead of him uh, with Beltre, the only one not in the hall. So uh, it's, it's not really a question to me of whether he's one of the to me. Scott Roland is easily one of the top 10 third basemen in baseball history. And uh, I think the Hall of Fame is going to recognize him in the next couple of years. We'll have to see what happens. Good luck to Scott Rowland and future. I'm a big fan, Richard, if you can't tell. (laughs) I could tell. I was a big fan. He was my favorite player when he was on the team. Uh, I understand, you know, I know how Philly fans are. I lived there my whole life, you know. So I understand, you know, they don't like that they were scorned by Scott Rowland, you know, he had to go to baseball heaven. Well, guess what? He did. And he won a world series of baseball heaven. Uh, and it's a shame that the Phillies during the era that he was coming of age and becoming a star player, that Phillies ownership simply was unwilling to put a winner on the field. Uh, they were more, they more were worried about getting their new ballpark, uh, trying to say that veteran stadium, you know, wasn't allowing them to compete and they had to have a new ballpark. So they didn't surround uh, the guys like Roland and Abreu and Lieberthal and Schilling with enough backup star quality players that would have put them over the hump to real contending status. Uh, that ultimately happened once they saw that they had the new ballpark and they were preparing for it. They finally opened up the pocketbooks for the Tomes and the, <clears throat> the trades for the Billy Wagners and the David Bells and that type of thing. So uh, <clears throat> I think that, you know, it's a shame that the period, I think that timing uh, of Scott Rowland here in Philadelphia really worked against him and uh, worked against his psyche, if you will, as wanting to compete as a ball player. And, uh, and you know, his, it was a, it was an acrimonious uh, divorce and it's a shame, but um, that doesn't change uh, what he actually accomplished on the field while he was a Philly. And then again, as you mentioned, a long career after that with St. Louis and then later in Cincinnati and Toronto. Yeah. And he, 
going back, um, I forget exactly the, the circumstances around him leaving the Phillies, but he wouldn't accept the Phillies contract at any, any <clears throat> amount of money. That yeah, he, they signed him for one year, his final year. Um, they had tried to make a multi-year offer to him, and he didn't want the multi-year offer because the team just was unwilling to make a commitment to overall salary for the team. He wanted to see a commitment organization-wide, uh, not just to him, but to building a winning team. And at that, that time, they weren't willing to make that commitment. And he wasn't willing to wait, you know, two or three years to see if they would do it. So he took the one-year deal, and then uh, he was going to hit free agency. So the team said, you know, look, we're not going to lose you for nothing. And they dealt him to St. Louis. So that's what happened. That's Scott Rowland, former Philly. And we'll see how he uh, makes out next year on the vote. But – um we had some uh, Phillies broadcast changes um, this past week as well, Matt, and we talked about it. Uh, Kevin Franzen signing with the Washington Nationals to be their color analyst in this past week. That he did, Rich. <laughs> uh, you know. I was just starting to get used to him in the radio booth uh, alongside Scott Fransky, and of course, that's sort of a split, split and split two type of a broadcast where you have the home games being done by one guy, the away games were starting to be delved out to different people. And, you know, he took this opportunity with the nationals to have a steadier, uh, on, you know, camera presence and, uh, still loves the Phillies. I love this article here where he says, um, you know, it's not about me being on TV, but I want my passion for the game to be on TV, not only for the game, but, for the Nationals. So um, he also said it's a great problem to have, right? It's And it's not a problem. It's really a great situation to be in. You wanted, you're wanted and loved by two organizations and just one had the opportunity to do for more games and be visible and create a platform. So Kevin Franzen going to be with the Nationals in 22 for the season. And... Um, we don't know where that leaves the Phillies broadcasters, but um, I imagine they'll be able to fill that void quite easily. Yeah, um, there are everything that you see right now is you know just people saying, "I'd like to see this guy," "I'd like to see that guy." There is nothing from the team. There's no, there are no candidates at this point. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went to maybe try out a couple of guys again this year to see who works out uh, for, you know, Fransky in LA, uh, they, Scott Fransky is a fantastic, fantastic play-by-play -play guy. Um, certainly the best that we've had in Philadelphia since, since a uh, Harry and to be blessed in my lifetime with Harry Callis now followed by Scott Fransky. Uh, that's just, you know, fantastic. It's more than you can hope for. And the chemistry that Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson have together is it's dynamite. I mean, I never thought that I would, I just thought I was blessed to have Harry and Whitey, you know, for all those decades. And uh, after Whitey passed, you know, they were some good professional guys working with, uh, Harry for a lot of years, but, and then once Harry passed, uh, I just, I never really thought I would get another Harry and Whitey. And here I, I have to say they, maybe they're not Harry and Whitey, uh, but 
France Can LA is is really is really good uh, good pairing. I love listening to them. They have great chemistry. They just come across real well. Their voices sound really good on the radio. Um, again, I felt blessed. You know, whatever I get to hear France Can LA. So. When I was hearing that Larry was stepping back, uh, and he's getting up there a little bit in years, but when I was hearing that he was stepping back, I thought this is a real loss, you know. Uh, uh, but I understand, you know, the travels a lot. I don't know what else he has going on in his life, but I was never, I, I didn't have, feel the same connection with Kevin Franzen, and I'm not saying anything bad about him. I, I, I just, I, he didn't click with me. And so it's not a loss for me to hear him go into Washington. Um, I understand, you know, the, the rest of the broadcast team and people around the Phillies rallying to him and saying, oh, we'll miss you and all. I, I won't miss him. And it's not personal. I just never developed a connection yeah. um, he, that he I have with Fransky in L.A. He sort of grew on me over time. And I, I grew to appreciate the times that he did his broadcast alongside Scott Fransky because Larry Anderson's a certain way and he's okay, but he's a little more predictable than Kevin Franzen is. Franzen will give you different aspects of the game and now he's moving on to television, but um, I'm sure Larry Anderson will still be the Phillies home broadcaster. Just speculation again. Uh, Scott Fransky will be the radio guy barring anything we don't know. And uh, they filled in with Ruben Amaro Jr. last year. And um, I believe Jimmy Rollins stepped into the booth a couple of times as well. So uh, it was pretty interesting the way, way the Phillies mixed it up, along with Tom McCarthy, of course. Uh, 14th year with the Phillies, second tour of duty with the Phillies. Of course, I remember on the radio when he first started. Then he went to New York, but apparently New York... It wasn't, you know, he wasn't well received there or whatever, because he didn't last very long in New York. Not sure what happened up there, but uh, T-Mac takes heat, you know, down here from some of the fans, but everybody takes heat from some of the fans down here. Uh, I'm a T-Mac guy. I really like T-Mac. Uh, I understand what some of the fans are talking about it, especially um, th there were times when he, when he comes off a little too Homer-ish, if you will. Um, so I get that a little too Pollyanna-ish, you know, too up and all. But uh, but overall, uh, I think Tommy's a he's a fantastic play-by-play -play guy. I think he's a really good, um, uh, he's a really pleasant voice. He's a he's a nice guy, you know. So uh, I, I like I have no problem with T Mac. I have no problem with most of the Phillies broadcasting team. I would like to see, and and I really don't know who it would be. Uh, I'd like to see them get somebody in there who can be a more of a long-term if LA is not going to be a long-term home and away guy somebody who can be a long-term match with Fransky who can take us to that maybe you know uh Harry Whitey level a, a player who has some, a lot of insight who has a lot of stories about <clears throat> their days in the game uh, maybe I, I I saw a little there was a Something that Shane Victorino put out on either Instagram or Twitter in the in the aftermath of the initial announcement of Franzen and the Phillies may be looking for a replacement. And Victorino put out something a little snarky that it looked like he might be interested, like, hey, give me a call, guys. 
I don't really know about Shane because what I'd be looking for is a guy who who can tell those stories, which Victorino certainly could talk and tell those stories. Uh, and he'd certainly, I think, be colorful enough. But you also have to have something that Whitey had, which was uh, he just seemed as a broadcaster to have that instinctive knowledge of when to let the game breathe, when to not talk. You know, today it seems that these broadcasters, they, they just have to talk. They have to fill up the air. And it's like, well, that's what you're hired for. We have to talk. We have to explain the game. The people that are watching and listening to you do not need the game explained to them. They know it. We know it. We're fans of the game. There's, there are times when you have to let the game itself breathe, even on the radio. You have to let the crowd have its moment. You know, we have to hear the cheers in the background. Uh, let production, you know, emphasize the crowd noise. Uh, even if it's just for a few seconds, you have to let it breathe. And too often they just, it seems like they're just talking to fill up time. So uh, it's a fine balance, you know, between giving us good information and telling us really interesting stories and allowing the game of baseball to unfold at its own pace and not try to force, you know, a lot of things down our throat. Yeah. That's tough true. finding that good guy. It's going to be tough. That's true. And uh, it, the broadcast that comes in mind right away to me was ESPN Sunday night baseball with the three people in the booth. You, <laughs> there wasn't two seconds of white space, so to speak, on a paper that you could breathe. It was constant. And you're right. You do need a little bit of pause, a little reflection, you know, some silence to creep into a broadcast to make it sound right or else it's like a full sheet of paper that you can't really read too well. It's just coming at you at all directions. So. And it's our game, Rich. That's baseball. You know, our baseball is a pastoral game. You know, people talk about everything being bang, 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 fast paced today. Everything's got to be baseball is the antithesis of that. It Baseball is slow down, take it easy, enjoy the day. It's sunny out here. Yeah. You know, we're sitting out in the nice stands. Having a, hey, yeah, you know, relax. You know, it takes some time. So it takes some time between pitches. So it takes some time between innings. Take a little time. Everything doesn't have to be go, go, go. Yeah. You know, so uh, maybe I'm just an old Ed, Rich. And I'll I turned to. 60. I turned 60 a few months ago. So I guess I am an old Ed. But Don't let the listeners know that. They won't <laughs> listen, though. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. So it's uh, – I, it's my opinion that, you know, uh, again, it doesn't have to be, you know, air silence. You know, I understand yeah. that you have to provide information and entertainment, but this is a game that needs to have somebody who knows how, what, who, somebody who needs to know what I'm talking about when I say you got to be able to let the game breathe. Yeah, that's true. And maybe I'll have to uh, invite Rob Brooks on to the show. Uh, I have his business card still. I met him a few years ago. Citizens Bank Park, and uh, maybe he'll enlighten us on the uh, the early season Phillies uh, announcer talk. So uh, that would be fun. So maybe I'll reach out to him, invite him on a future show. But um, I'll let you also know about the listeners of this show. We have a lot of listeners to Phillies Talk. Forty-eight percent of you guys out there listen to Apple Podcasts, to 
view the show, so hit that like and send us a review. We don't really have too many new reviews in. I'd like to have some more reviews. People like that. You know, let us know the strong points of the show, if we have any weak points, which probably will be a lot, but, you know, let us know that as well. Stitcher, 4%. Podcast Attic is an app, 3%. Listen to us from that. And Anchor Direct, 3%. And, of course, we're owned by Spotify here on Anchor, which is the uh, owner of the uh, uh, Anchor.fm, the podcast site. And a little controversy with that this week. But uh, our listener age group spans all of the years. I love to see that. A lot of increase, 18 to 22. So welcome aboard to the show. Thanks for listening. And... um, we always need more listeners, so let your friends know about us. You know, Rich, maybe one of these uh, weeks we can get it together. We can get together with uh, our friends at UK Phillies, and we can have them on the show when I'm on sometime, talk about the Phillies and get their uh, input. I know they do podcasts from time to time, podcast appearances, and maybe that'll bump up your UK numbers there. Yeah, well, 1%. I don't, know how, how do, I don't know how Germany kind of got up to 2%. <laughs> <laughs> and UK's at one, so there's some, some Germans in there have found yeah. the uh, podcast. Welcome to our German listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Maybe some service members over there in Germany tuning into the show. Send us an email as well. If you want to send us uh, a little bit where you're from and where you listen from, let us know. Rich at fightingphillies.com or Matt at fightingphillies.com. You can get a hold of us. and We'll give it a mention on the show here. Um Matt, why don't you let the folks know before we uh, bring the curtains down on this show where they can find you online. The easiest, the best thing, Rich, most of the people who who do this uh, are on Twitter. So they can follow me on Twitter at uh, Phillies Bell. And my site is Phillies Bell, like the bell that rings in the outfield when we get home runs. Uh, it's over here somewhere. I think I'm blocking it. There it is. There's the bell out there. There you at. That'll work. Oh, there you go. Over there. There's the bell. Right. Ring the bell. So Philly's Bell. I have to get better with using this screen. But at Philly's Bell on Twitter, I'm there every day providing Philly's history items, uh, the latest. uh, I'll I'll either retweet or just share uh, the latest articles that I find out there on the Internet about the Philly. So it's really a one stop shop for any Philly's fan. Uh, the best stuff about the Phillies that's available, I put it out there uh, on Phillies Bell. Very cool. Check it out there. And uh, a lot of history always being uh, tweeted out. I know you can't always be tweeting real time, but I appreciate the way you send your tweets out. I don't want you to reveal the company secret, but uh, on today's show or today's tweets, uh, talking about Ryan Madsen, um, quite a bit there and, uh, you know, just a great, I always tune into your, uh, Twitter feed every day. Great history, birthdays. Um, in fact, let's go through the birthdays today. You tweeted about Davey Johnson, uh, was with the Phillies 77 and 78 and Louis Garcia with a birthday, uh, 35 years old. Yeah, a lot of people don't, uh, unless they were around back then, uh, as Phillies fans, don't don't re- re- think of Davey Johnson as a Philly. You know, he's certainly a, a manager. A lot of people know him as, especially with the Mets. But uh, Johnson was a Phillies bench player in 77-78. He was a big part 
of the bench in those years, and they were two National League East Division championship teams. So uh, he was a veteran in those days. I think he had, prior to that, he'd been an all-star with the Orioles. So uh, happy birthday to Davey Johnson, who is 79 years old today. Yeah, very cool. And, of course, um, you could check out fightinphillies.com over at the uh, blog. You can read some articles. I haven't been writing very many because with the – with the work lockout, that there's not many stories to be told out there, quite honestly. Everything's a blanket of secrecy, along with the players. I tried to go out and buy a uh, a nice calendar, as I usually do, and I had to settle for a Flyers one, which isn't too bad, but I usually get a Phillies one. So I can't even get me a Phillies calendar. I can't get my yearly update on the teams you know the magazines that come out the previews there's none of that out there yet and uh, we just need this work stoppage this work lockout to to cease get back to baseball i know some other twitter followers out there were saying the same exact thing this morning they're jonesing for some real baseball news and of course the mlb has everything sort of blanketed in yeah i think uh, once we can get this labor uh, resolved, you're going to see a, a real bevy of free agent signings. And I think you're going to see a flurry of trades too, Rich. Uh, the Phillies are going to be very active once this thing wraps up. Uh, they have to fill a bunch of holes in their bullpen. They have to fill center field and left field. I think you're going to see some real hot Phillies action uh, once we resolve this labor dispute. Yes, indeed. And I, I just got this along the wire here, the Twitter wire, so to speak. Uh, Howard Hessman, you may remember him as Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati, just passed away. 81 years of age. Um, he had been a radio DJ back in the 60s. Used to love that show, uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Sure. Bonnie Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. As a kid, you know. Every time it was on, you know, I had to tune in. So it's an awesome show. Um, oh, we lost uh, Meatloaf. We lost Betty White uh, already this year. A bunch of people. So uh, uh, it's been a tough year for celebrities so far. Yeah, real shame indeed. So um, stay safe out there. We still have this pandemic in some form going on. Wash up the hands. Uh, wear your masks if you want. And uh, stay safe out there, folks. We're going to talk to you soon on the next edition of Phillies Talk. And, Matt, you have a great week, and I hope we have some sort of settlement to bring up on our next show. Amen, Rich. Talk to you soon.